The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said... Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live, not live, pre-recording <laughs> due to the time restraints of our guest. And uh, I am coming from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, no doubt about that. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. And if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and SonsOfLibertyRadio.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And while you're there, you can scroll down on the right side of the page. And you will see in this section at that time when we're streaming this, we'll be live the second video down. And uh, just click onto that. You can enlarge it. You can see the faces made for radio. And you can also click on the platform icon and join us in the chat. Lots of people join us in the chat each morning, and we appreciate their support very much. And then the video right above that is Bradley's show in the afternoon. Uh, he's on from 3 p.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Central. And you can catch that then. You can uh, you can watch the previous shows 
previous day's show, excuse me, if you click on it now. And then also, right as you scroll up, there's a place where you can enter your email to subscribe to our newsletter. Please do that. We don't rent your email. We don't sell it. We don't spam you with all kinds of stuff in the email. You get one email from us a day, including the morning show archive, all of the links and uh, videos, topics, whatever we have, documents that we'll have and we'll discuss in this, we'll put that in the archive in a nice, neat little package. So when you want to go back, if you want to listen to it, you can do that. If you want to watch the show, you can do that. And that's all at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then finally, we don't ask you for money, but we do tell you we have, we have needs. So if you're able to help us, you agree with our message, and you want to help us, there's a donate button, top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at the top of the page. And click on that and set that up as well. And our store is available too. we got lots of products in there, hats, T-shirts, coffee mugs, water bottles, all kinds of stuff in there. There's great conversation starters. And then we've got some equipping tools too, books and uh, DVDs that will help you in the sphere of influence that the Lord has put you in so that you can do what it is he has put you in place to do. Also this week, we are we got a special. This is Bradley's book, Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do. It's $11 normally, but if you use the promo code GRASS, G-R-A-S-S, you'll save 20% between now and Saturday midnight. So if you've been wanting to get the book, if you want to read the book, now's a chance to get 20% off. Use the promo code GRASS. And you can do just that. Now, the other week we had on Professor David Clements from the uh, Professor's Record and his wife, Erin. And we talked about the collapse there, the building in Miami. Uh, For me, one of the most fascinating conversations because you've got both who say, "Eh, something doesn't look right here. And you've got somebody who has expertise in structural engineering. And then you have somebody who's a prosecutor who knows how to ask questions, who, who looks at things from maybe a different perspective than other people uh, do. And one of the things that I talked with David about, you know, he's been called in, he's getting some national recognition uh, as, as speaking out on the election fraud. And we've been aware of that. We've, we've said there's a real problem here and there has to be some justice brought to it. And it's got to go further than just talking about it and saying, oh, here's the bad guys. Here's what they've done. There has to be justice. There has to be restoration in that. And so I asked David if he would mind coming on, and uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, election integrity or lack of integrity, if I can. And let me give you my proper introduction again. Uh, Professor Clements teaches law at New Mexico State University. He was a longtime prosecutor and oversaw six law enforcement agencies. He tried many high-profile cases, including first-degree murder. He came to national prominence after appearing on Tucker Carlson after standing up to his university's targeting of conservatives. He's also a contributor to Bannon's War Room on election integrity issues. In fact, we were talking about this just before the show. It's turned into a whole nother life for you, David, but it's great to have you back on the Sons of Liberty, man. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and I know you're very tired. I know you got a lot to do, and we appreciate you making time for us. So let, let's go this. You, you've been on, you were telling me you've been on Bannon's show for like three days in a row or something like that. The, the latest one, we saw had, uh, a, you know, you're, you're calling for audits in all 50 states. Uh, you're wanting to set this thing up to where, you know, what went on in 2020 never happens again. At least that's the intent. And you're wanting to put all kinds of checks and balances in there. Can you kind of bring us up to date as to, before you get into that, as to uh, the latest stuff that's come out? I know this guy, uh, Captain Seth Keschel, spoke out, and he basically said, 
Trump won Pennsylvania by six to eight percent. Do you want to give everybody sort of an update here? Yeah, well, let me start by saying that like the, the genesis of my involvement had more to do with being a longtime prosecutor. And there's there's an investigative aspect of being a prosecutor. So we have to build our case. We have to find witnesses. We have to find information. And my frustration initially stemmed from certain gatekeepers, whether they're judges or legislatures, just not following black letter law. So one of the reasons why I'm very, very confident and comfortable in doing these shows is because I know I know the law. I know the threshold, um, you know, functions of the law on how to present evidence. And to, to date, I haven't had anyone that's in academia, a lawyer, challenge me on, you know, certain things about what relevant evidence looks like, what, what a competent witness looks like. Um, and so I try to present things in a, in a way that really focuses on the foundational building blocks of what our justice system is supposed to look like. And, um, and so I've started that. And the biggest problem that I've had, though, is just, just seeing black letter law not being followed and judges not doing their jobs. And there's this, de- this demand for election accountability. And when I found out pretty quickly that we weren't going to get any, we had to basically change course. And then instead of me doing an analysis of cases and legal opinions, which is what I spent most of my time in January and February, we are going to try to get accountability through the court of public opinion. And this audit initiative is a byproduct of saying, look, we're just not going to ask for permission to get the word out. We're not going to listen to a mainstream media outlet tell us what to think. Amen. And so this has been a very organic uh, process where we already had audit channels on Telegram dedicated to tracking movements, most notably in Arizona. So we had audit watches where people would watch the live security feeds to make sure people were following protocols. We would direct fundraising uh, to ensure that uh, there were sufficient resources for our auditors. In fact, we raised through Matt DiPerno, the attorney out of Michigan, for Cyber Ninjas in Arizona. We raised over $285,000, and this is just we the people. Um, So what we've done with that is we've started in the states that have the greatest level of significance in terms of election outcomes affecting the presidential race and some of the Senate races. So you're looking at four, five, six states that have been prioritized. But in the meantime, we keep finding all kinds of information in states that were run by won by Trump, where he won every single county. And we're seeing major anomalies even in those states, which leads us to believe that there's been an algorithm that's been deployed through all the states to change and shift people's perceptions about how strong of a candidate President Trump, in fact, was. So we're, we're even though Trump won every county in Oklahoma, for instance, we're asking for a full forensic audit there. Even though Trump won Florida, we're asking for a full forensic audit there because um, there was something at work, especially in Florida. People don't realize this. In Florida, um, there was a cut to a fiber cable there that happened, and we're still investigating this, that might have thrown a major monkey wrench into the plans of people that wanted to interfere with the election. And so he actually overperformed in the Miami-Dade regions. And because of some level of interference, I don't know if it was good guys or bad guys, it made Arizona a must win. So for a lot of your viewers that were familiar with election night, everyone was very, very um, quizzical over why 
Fox News called the election in Arizona so early when it was so close. But if you look at some of the, the, the analysis that we've done in these different states, after Florida went for Trump, and we, we believe that he actually basically overperformed to, to, to the point where the algorithm could not um, cheat, could not, could, could not provide a win for Biden, that they were all in in Arizona, they were all in in Pennsylvania and some of these other places. And so what we're finding is just huge statistical anomalies in these areas that are just mathematically impossible. And we're using that information to influence the work. So with your question, I'm sorry for the, the long roundabout answer, Captain Keschel, for instance, was talking about what's going on in Pennsylvania. Uh, massive, massive um, fraud, massive statistical anomalies that don't track with any voter trend going back 50, 60 years uh, to the extent that there, there's hundreds of thousands of votes that have been assigned to President Biden that there's just no foundational basis for. Yeah. Now, this leads to another question, though. Um because everybody keeps going to these electronic voting machines. From my opinion is people can go in and they can stuff ballot boxes with paper. We've seen that, you know, in 2000, we saw the hanging chads nonsense and all this stuff. And pe- we know people can stuff ballot boxes. We have the story of the Battle of Athens and our, our veterans went in and got the guns from the, uh, from the armory and went after the guys who were there to... Uh, stuffed the ballot box for their guy, and they took it back, and they had an an open count. And I think that's something uh, along the lines of what you're going to tell us that you guys are are trying to put in place with a lot of observation, a lot of eyes on things. Is it your opinion that we should get rid of these electronic machines where you have these co- these companies and corporations involved in this process, and they have some kind of conflicting interest? And whoever the guy is, they want to win, or they can be bought off for these kinds of things. Would you say that we should step back from that kind of thing, that there's just too much opportunity for a manipulation of the vote? Well, yes. And and it's not to say that there aren't protocols that are in place where we could use um, or or have a voting system that has a place for electronics. Um, You have to keep in mind that when Dominion made the pitch to get into 28 of our states, the, the reassurance was don't worry about the electronic interface because you'll always have the physical ballots. Well, they did that and it worked. So they got into the states. Now, when we ask and demand the physical ballots to compare it with the electronics, they don't provide it. That's the problem. Uh, in Arizona, there was a four or five month court battle just to get the, get the physical ballots so we can look at them there. Uh, and that's happening in Georgia. And we're finding all kinds of illegality. So if they were more candid and if there was a good faith process where we could, in fact, get our ballots at the drop of a hat, um, you have accountability measures. But it's still uh, it's still not enough because um, what we're finding is that there are just so many points of entry for fraud that, um, you know, in an ideal world, what you'd want is a paper based system. You'd want to minimize any electronic communication or Internet communication to Basically, the, the analogy would be, think of a piggy, a piggy bank. You know, We don't get to break the bank every time and give updates to um, the news agent, agencies to report. Instead, what we do is um, we wait till all the votes are tallied, and we open that bank all at once. All eyes are on, and we give an official report. 
Um, there's there might also be a place for blockchain technology uh, to to help. I'm not an expert in that, but for me, it's you know you want physical paper, you want people that can count it, you want observation, and we we don't want um, a system that lends itself to smoke and mirrors, and that's effectively what's happened with the Dominion machines. And so I've listened to a lot of experts. A lot of them have different uh, thoughts and ideas, but it seems to be a combination of blockchain technology and paper ballots. Okay. I, I'm kind of curious. Have you ever seen the testimony from a guy by the name of, looking at his name up here, Clint Eugene Curtis? He testified in 2000, I believe it was uh, 2006, in front of the U.S. House Judiciary members in Ohio, and he was talking about de- designing the program, you know, that would be, I guess, uh, used in elections. And he was testifying to them that he could rig the machines in such a way, and I guess this is the thing that you're talking about here with the um, the algorithms and such, to determine a 51 to 49 split in favor of the person that they wanted to win, and nobody could find out how it was done. Yes. And you, you've seen this guy? I have. Okay. All right. What? So, so when he says that, now this is back in 2006. When did, when did Dominion come in and pitch it to the states and start coming in then? How, how long has it been since they've been doing what they're doing here in the states? Well, you have to keep in mind that Dominion has taken on different forms. There's been different acquisitions. And so you'll have you know, the company Diebold. You'll hear about the company Smartmatic. Um, you're going to hear about all of these different names. But basically, they're, if you follow the money, there, there are relationships to, to each of them. So Dominion really didn't come on the scene until the past six years, the way that we think of Dominion. But there were precursors to Dominion like Diabolt that were around. Um, so I would say that going back to about 2004, 2006, you've had um, a vestige of Dominion's influence that might've taken on different names and, and they've effectively war gamed on how to expand their presence throughout, throughout the United States um, over the past 14 or 15 years. Um, Yes, there, there are algorithms in place. Um, That gentleman that spoke, it's not just that person that spoke. We've had many prominent Democrats that when it was convenient for them to do so, talked about machine vulnerability. We've had uh, Kamala Harris go on record about, vulnerabilities with these machines. We've had the same thing with Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren. Um, so it's not new. What's what's shocking is just the level of hypocrisy and that there's just absolutely no shame with these politicians that were very, very worried about election fraud when they were trying to set a narrative when President Trump was in office. But now that he's not, all of a sudden, everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid that this is a safe and secure election. That's just not the case. Uh, the same machines were in place. The other thing that's been problematic is that we have this thing called HAVA, which is the Help America Vote Act, and it requires certain election compliance measures where we accredit uh, or or, um, validate these machines. And the analogy that I've given in the past is think of um, drunk drivers. You know, if they ever get caught, what what happens? They usually have to blow into an intoxilizer. Well, the only way that you're going to get a result 
admiss, uh, admitted into a court of law and have it be shown to a judge or a jury is you have to prove that the machine was certified, that the machine was calibrated. There's log books. Have is a lot like that. We want to make sure that our machines are certified, calibrated, that they're they're kept up. And what we're finding is going back four or five years, they just haven't been. And, and so we've we potentially have had two or three election cycles where we haven't been using certified machines. And that's a major violation of federal law. And so that's been something that we've been looking at. So it's there's not just one kind of one point of vulnerability. We have legal vulnerabilities. We have election machines vulnerabilities. We have um, systemic election fraud. We have voter fraud. All of those are different categories. And what I can tell you is that the enemy has just exploited every single point of vulnerability. And it was brought to a crescendo this past fall through COVID restrictions. So we created a state of emergency where everyone started changing the rules. And most state constitutions require that the legislature set the time, place, and manner of elections. And what we found out is that the secretaries of state uh, were changing the rules on the fly and no one was challenging them or we try to challenge them in lawsuits. But for whatever reason, the courts just turned a blind eye. I, I don't know if it was just out of complete Trump derangement syndrome, but that appears to be what, what was at play in um, the 80 or so lawsuits that I reviewed. And there are far more than that. We probably had anywhere from 450 lawsuits that are out there and that number's grown. So um, it's, it's very frustrating for sure. Yeah. Now, one of the things is, is that, you know, how, because <clears throat> some people were probably saying, okay, well, how, how does the Bible, how does the constitution speak to these things that we've got? And several, you know, there's several passages I think about when I think about what God says about unjust weights and measurements, he calls them a, an abomination. Um, Leviticus 19, 35 and 36, he says, you shall do no wrong in judgment and measurement of, of weight or capacity. You shall have just balances just weights, a just ephah, just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in Deuteronomy, he says, you shall have, you shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And he calls them wicked scales in other places. Uh, differing weights and measures, Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs twenty ten, are an abomination, or they're abominable to the Lord, and this applies to this too because it's it's what you're saying. They're they haven't been certified, which means they're not calibrated. They're having these algorithms put into them that automatically change what the people think that they're doing. They're they're casting their vote for their particular candidate. And that's being manipulated on. We've seen this, David, for years uh, over several election cycles, where people will go into a voting booth, they'll they'll check the uh, they'll they'll click the thing to check for their candidate, and it will switch right there in front of their face. And the interesting thing for me is, we're told you can't take a cam, you can't take a phone or a camera in there and take pictures of the things, but some people are doing it, and I don't know why we restrict people from taking the photos of what's going on or videoing it. To, to document how they vote. But this is a real problem. You know, when we speak of sin, most people think, oh, well, that's just some religious thing, but it's really transgression of the law. And as you said a minute ago, somebody's transgression federal law by not certifying these machines. So the next question that I have is, when you have these electronic machines, we've heard they are connected to the Internet. 
Would that be something that needs to have the hard have the hard line cut? Because I agree with you. We're seeing oftentimes that states are being called for certain candidates by the media. And it does have an impact on people who are voting, you know, at later time zones, like you guys in New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, California, stuff like that. Because in some cases, man, I you know, I've seen where they're largely giving it over to a particular candidate before people on the, on the West Coast even get a chance to vote or, or finish or close the polls and, and finish the vote. So I think you're onto something by saying, we're going to keep that information back. We're going to reveal it to you, but we're going to keep that information back until we're in, until we've got, you know, everything out in the open and then we'll dump it on you. Is there a way that you're pursuing that to have that kind of thing put in place? Well, it's what you're trying to do is minimize fraud. And there, there, there's always going to be an element of criminality where you're going to have bad actors that are going to try to exploit um, your election system. So, I mean, I mean, going back to sin, you know, if sin means, we're, we're, it means to miss the mark, um, you know, the, the problem is that we've got a lot of people that, are more interested in consolidating power than having a truthful election. And that's, that's been here since, you know, Adam and Eve, and it's going to continue to be a problem that we have to challenge. So what I would look for is checks and balances and ways to minimize interference. So um, I think there's going to have to be a level of technology just to communicate results from each of the respective counties to your secretary of state, because usually that's, that is a legitimate function. And um, you know, it, it may be too much to ask for someone to drive four or five hours from the county clerk's office to hand deliver the results. And even then you have to figure out, do you trust the person that's hand delivering them? So um, I look at this as, you know, minimize that, especially the, from the cybersecurity standpoint, um, have a closed system. And if there's a way to deliver um, jump drives or information in a way that doesn't expose your system to, uh, the internet, that would be a good start and making sure that you have we, the people as observers at every stage. Now, a lot of the stuff is already in place, you know, having the observers. The problem is, is that COVID was used as a pretext to keep people away to where they couldn't meaningfully observe. So a lot of the frustration is that we, in many of our states, we have good laws on the books. They just weren't followed. Um, so I, I think the, the greatest check just like I think in, in a justice system, the greatest check is the jury because it's comprised of people that aren't self-interested. They just want to get to the right decision. They want to make sure that the justice system works. Same thing with our vote. We, we need to have as healthy of a population involved in our, in our voting that don't have a dog in the fight. They just want to make sure that they're not cheated. And um, unfortunately, that hallmark protection was gutted because of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I'm one that doesn't have a dog in the fight except that I want the law to be followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't voted Republican, Democrat for you know, D.C. stuff since, I don't know, 2000 or something. But I was, I was a poll watcher, um, especially in 2012, and I saw what happened here just in South Carolina and, and what took place there. So I, I know there's people out there like that. They just want, you know, hey, if the other guy wins or if somebody else wins that aren't the two, whatever— they're fine with that. They just want the integrity of the election to be put in place so that people would 
would go in and they would say, hey, my vote actually does count. I'm not being overridden by some robot or some guy, you know, offshore in the Bahamas or the Caribbean or, or China or wherever, wherever the place may be. And but I you have this um, this image and I got this out of your the professor's record telegram. Um, this is the one I, I'm assuming I, I don't know how these things work. Channels, groups. This is the one where nobody they can comment on it, but they can't post stuff. So this came out of your group and you're dealing with a couple of things. I'm going to blow this up here. Can you can you walk people through some things here about what's going on in New Mexico in, in your state there and how uh, this Captain Cashel fits into what you're doing there? Yeah, so yeah, we've we weren't planning on having over a hundred thousand people flock to these different audit channels. So you've got the main channel and you've got chat rooms for each state, and and that's a place where people can join and inform themselves and coordinate the best approach to demanding a full forensic audit in their state. So what Captain Keschel and I have taken on as a responsibility in in addition to many others is we want to give them the data so they can make wise decisions on how to go about getting that audit. So New Mexico, for instance, presents lots of challenges because we have a democratic governor. We have a democratically controlled legislature. We have a democratically controlled uh, clerk's offices. I mean, almost every point of attack that you would want to ensure that you have transparency has been closed down. So we have to be very, very smart. So that particular image was a mix that I created along with Captain Keschel that gives all of the data that um, we can provide in a, in a way that is accessible. There's far more information than that. Uh, so we wanted to highlight the counties that are completely at odds with historical trends, the ones that are problematic, but probably aren't the, the worst parts of the state. And then um, areas where if you're going to spend time, probably doesn't make sense to spend time there because their, their data actually reflects the trends going back. And then we also take into account that there are certain counties that um, while from a numerical standpoint would likely have the largest degree of fraud, you might not be able to, to do an audit there because it's in the control of uh, Marxist Democrats. And so what we're trying to do is advise them on which counties that might be friendlier to start there um, because not everyone's going to have a state legislature that's going to call for an audit. You know, Arizona has Republicans, so they're able to do that. And there were mechanisms in place through legal proceedings that were filed. In New Mexico, there's no way that the legislature is going to initiate a full forensic audit. So we're going to try to do this through a reconstruction effort to figure out where the weak points are and get information and motivate people to do canvases. And we have to do this with kind of both hands tied behind our backs because we have no allies in the clerk's office, except for in some Republican counties where we don't think there's any problems in those counties. So, um, New Mexico is very unique, but that's an example. And we're going to try to do one of those for every single state. Some will be easier. Some will be uh, very, very difficult. But um, we're just going to try our best to grow this as it goes. Um, A lot of the folks are kind of impatient, and I can understand that. But they have to understand this is a completely organic, kind of spontaneous liberty movement where it's comprised of moms and dads with kids with full-time jobs. 
dropping kids off at daycare and they're coming over here and they're trying to learn and become a more informed citizen. And um, so we provide them with, you know, using this quartermaster motif, we, we give them a tent or we give them a quarters. Uh, then we give them bullets in the form of information, memes that they can uh, hash out. We also provide them with strategy so they know which particular legislators to bother. So we will assemble, and we have done this, assembled uh, phone numbers and emails for uh, prominent members in the legislature. So we actually saw this put to use in Texas. Uh, State Rep. Steve Toth is now calling and introduced a bill for a full forensic audit in Texas. That was done in part because of pressure applied by our Texas audit channel and statistical analysis provided by Captain Keschel. And so we're just going to keep doing this, keep working at it best we can. Um, our biggest problem or enemy is just, you know, we're not we're not built like a corporate structure. So we don't have a human resources department. We don't have customer service. This is really uh, an, an example of free people trying to figure it out um, and, and trying to hold people accountable. So there's some growing pains for sure, but um, the fact that we've got over 100,000 people motivated to do this is just an absolute blessing. Yeah, well, I, I think that's great. If you can get 100,000 people to get in on this and stick with it, that's the thing. And, you know, this goes back to what we see in the Constitution. You know, I've often mentioned the militia being used in a capacity uh, to enforce the law. And that is the people, mainly the able-bodied men. You, you know that scenario. And I think this kind of what you guys have started here is that instead of the people waiting and depending on the politicians in D.C. to do something, because that's usually, I tell you, I really believe since the War of Northern Aggression and all of that, the people's attention started going to D.C. to start to fix everything. When the real fix is right here at home, it's locally, it's in the states, the sovereign states as they're supposed to be. And so I think what you're doing is great. If you can get people on that mindset, they can begin to reverse and nullify and get rid of a whole bunch of stuff that's been imposed upon the American people, and they can be the justice that they say that they desire, but they're putting some skin in the game to do it. And I, I think it's great that you guys are teaching the people, you're showing them, and yeah, there's going to be growing pains, but in in the long run, uh, which is should be a very short run due to the way things are going... Uh, I think it's going to pay off because I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, you know, people can't uh, remain ignorant and free at the same time. They have to be informed. They have to be educated, not indoctrinated. They have to be educated how this is supposed to work, what the law is, and how they can be used to, to ensure that the law is followed in that. So, you know, I applaud you for those kinds of things. Now, when you break out, and I've, I've got this, but I just, I'm kind of curious as to how you guys are breaking this out. I, I think I sort of understand the presidential trend map. I think that's what you're talking here. And when we see the red, yellow, and green, these are the trend. You have certain ones that are trending. You have some that you say, hey, I'm not so sure. And you've got some that say, this is really problematic over here. What does the, what does the heat, I hope I'm, I'm picking up on that right. What does the heat map mean? Okay, so each of these, this, this product, let's break this down for people that find this. It's called a, a mix. This is a technology that's been set up by um, a former Disney Imagineer. And each of these boxes contains 
a link. So once you click on any of these, you'll if you click on the, the large box that says Captain Seth Cashel, the numbers don't lie, it'll take you directly to a live interview. That's not just an image. If you go down to the cell for, below that, it says New Mexico election debrief. You click on that, it will open to a live interview where we walk you through every one of these uh, data charts in, in various degrees. So uh, the images, of course, right here are a little small for our viewers, but um, your question of the heat map, you can click on that and it will give you a larger a larger picture. But basically, the understanding is this. Um, Captain Seth has done an analysis looking at historical voting trends going back, in some cases, over 100 years. And it's not to say that even the areas that are in green are perfect. Um, they might have, they might, there's probably some low level fraud everywhere, but the green areas, basically the voter turnout and the votes that we had in 2020 reflect trends going back 20, 30 years, um, things that you would expect. So um, when you take a look at mass departures of Democrats leaving and registering Republican. Um, when you have almost zero population growth, because some of these counties are ghost towns, um, you shouldn't see a major, major spike in Democratic votes. It just that it, that's just usually a statistical um, impossibility based on trends going back to the past election. So what he's done is he's he's compared that, and I might be butchering this because I'm not a mathematician, but that's the overall concept. The yellow regions you have. Low-level fraud, and it's not – that might be a misnomer as well, but we're talking about probably a less than 1,000 phantom uh, voters or less than 1,000 suspect votes per county. And in the red areas, we're talking about fraud that's greater than 1,000 um, suspect votes. So uh, in Bernalillo County, which is dead center in that map, it's red, um, you're looking at, I want to say – 34,000 suspect votes in that county alone. Wow. And yeah, in New so, Mexico? Wow. In New Mexico. So the, these are areas, you know, and, and so San Juan County, I think there was 7,000 suspect votes there. So he's broken down to a very, very precise degree things that just don't add up. They just do not comport with uh, the st- st- statistical trends going back election cycle after election cycle after election cycle. And so that video, uh, New Mexico election debrief, basically walks you through what I'm talking about, but it's done by a person who's uh, involved in military intelligence and has the brain for it. So uh, in many respects, I'm just the trial attorney that that puts the witness on and I ask them questions and they tell us, and then you can determine whether you think he knows what he's talking about. Um, but th- that's been the approach. And that's one approach. We also have Dr. Douglas Frank, who's the one that discovered um, algorithms that were de- being deployed. And basically you've got a, a key uh, that can be applied, a one number key that can be applied in each of the states. And it basically tells you how things are going to track. And that's just not natural. Um, we also have another security expert that we've just gotten on the scene. Her name's Lisa Smith, goes by the name of Draza. She worked for Sandia National Labs. And she's an expert in grid security and cybersecurity. So when we talk about things like packet captures and PCAPs, uh, Mike Lindell's going to have that hacker symposium in South Dakota in a, a couple of weeks. She's an expert in that stuff. And so she also has done the math work. So we've had people verify each other's work. And to date, it hasn't been disputed. We've had some 
some hacks out there that aren't working in good faith that are misrepresenting the data. But when you have honest mathematicians looking at each other's work, Dr. Frank's work checks out. Seth Cashel's work checks out. So does uh, Draza Smith. So we're trying to get that information into each of these audit chat groups to equip them with the numbers. And we, what we want them to do with that is not to sit on it, not just complain in their chat groups, but organize, get involved in um, their Republican parties or Libertarian parties, um, hold chair people accountable, hold county chairpersons, confront them with the information and demand that they use their pulpit to ensure that the rightful president's restored or rightful down ballot candidates are restored. And they can do this in a way where really um, they've become the expert. They've, in, they've informed themselves. And um, that's one of the things that we're doing is we're just bypassing the gatekeepers. So we're not asking in New Mexico, for instance, I'm not asking the Republican state chairman to do anything. We've asked him. We've, we've asked him more than once. And he is drinking the Kool-Aid that he thinks that Biden won. Well, I'm sorry. He's, he's absolutely wrong. And so we're going to bypass him. And if, if necessary, we'll make him irrelevant. And so we've grown this platform to where we've got numbers that far exceed what many of these Republican state chairs have. And we're going to make life for them very, very uncomfortable. Um, this is not something where, you know, we're just tired of waiting. And, um, and this, isn't, this is worth fighting for. We're, we are, we're just pissed off. Um, and the reason why we're pissed off is like, look, I teach law for a living. And if we want to talk about policies or whether we should be pro-life or we should be pro-tariff or anti-tariff, if we want to talk about free trade, all of these things are policies that are, are predicated on the rule of law. That's working. right. And the most foundational thing that you have to have in any stable society is your vote has to count. And so I mean, for me, I, I mean, I'm sick to my stomach that when I teach my students about this wonderful miracle that is America, that right now I know that the system has been so compromised that um, it's hard to do my job. So uh, in, in order for me to teach in good faith, I have to spend all of my time trying to restore the vote. And that's, that's where we've been, um, you know, that's, that's why I'm so tired and I, I look terrible uh, 90, 99% of the times is because others, all I've got, the only capital I have is my time. I don't, I don't have great resources or any of that stuff. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to bring in whatever resources or gifts that they have and um, have a patriot movement that helps us restore our country. But uh, people that think that we can legislate our way out of this, that we think, I mean, if you believe as I do that there was an election coup, that deep state actors absolutely stole and rigged an election, what makes you think we have any hope of Fixing the problem through a legislative process that was absolutely abandoned last year. Um, so I, I think we've got to catch the murderer. I've, I've, I've referred to November 3rd as a great murder mystery. And, and the victim was the American person's vote. And you can't give a healthy prescription of, of what we should do going forward unless you've diagnosed the cause of death. And so everything I'm doing is looking back at November 3rd. And so I, I would really caution your viewers, the people that want to, to look forward, you really can't look forward unless you understand what happened. And, and that's been the, the prime engine behind our efforts, because a lot of us are just, we think this is a, um, a year that will go down like 1776. This will be a pivotal year. 2021 will be remembered in the history books as probably the most pivotal challenge that we've ever faced as a nation. 
you know, I, I, I agree with you in that, in your assessment of, of what the year is going to be. And I also, you know, there's something that you're doing there in what you said and what the Sons of Liberty are about. And, you know, we, we point to the Bible and the Constitution. We're, especially when we're doing the monologues, we're pointing to the Bible and the Constitution. This is the law. If, we don't, if we're not going to follow the rules, and I think this is the bigger, probably the bigger problem than that, but, but the election is just a part of this. We've been sending people to obey the law, you know, our state constitutions and our our federal constitution were there not to limit the American people. They were to limit our, our representatives. And it doesn't matter if they've been Republican or Democrat or whatever. We've got pre, you know, presidents going back as oh, just a bunch of them that went ahead and, and signed off on unconstitutional spending. They have in in put into place policies that don't follow the law. And so then the American, you know, one of the things that was more re- in recent years was the whole bump stock ban. That doesn't follow law. And that's a policy, in my opinion, uh, put put forth by an unconstitutional agency anyway, because the only law enforcers we have under our constitution is the president and the militia. So we've had these people, these unelected bureaucrats and people like this, putting things in, doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and I think when it comes to the election time, we see that as this big thing. And I, I agree with you. There should be some trust that when we go cast our vote, that vote is is counted for whoever we, we cast it for. No matter if it's the dog catcher, the sheriff, or the president of the United States, that should be counted. And people should be able to, should have some trust in that. I think the problem is, David, that we have been so demoralized in our society. We could pull up the 45 communist goals uh, for taking down America. And, you know, right smack in the dab in the middle are all these things that are have a sexual connotation that distorts the family. And, of course, Marxism, their main target is the family. But we have all these kinds of things that have demoralized the people to where many of them throw their hands up and say, you know what, I'm just done with it. I, they're They're not going to straighten it out. They're not going to fix it. But their mindset has been, it's somebody else's job to fix it, not theirs. And so I, I'm really thrilled when I say this. I'm really thrilled that you guys are saying, no, it's the people's job to fix this. It's the people's job to sort this. And I want to go back to something you were making mention of earlier. You were saying you couldn't get probably one of these audits in New Mexico, but neighboring state of Arizona, they've been doing that. And I know one of the things that you guys face in all that you're doing is – the Mockingbird corporate-owned media is putting out the direct opposite of everything that's going on. For instance, we're, we're seeing all of these things coming out out of Arizona when people accurately report what they're getting in their audience, audits. And then I'm on you know several platforms where I, I post some of our articles from the website. And I went over to Twitter the other day, and I, I just despise Twitter, but you know you get some traffic over there, you get some people following stuff, so you... You feed that too. And one of the trending things was, was evidently from mainstream, I don't even like calling it mainstream, Mockingbird Media, that's what I call them. What, what they said was, there's zero evidence of any, I forget the term they used, but it was basically any corruption, any fraudulent ballots, all this stuff coming out of Arizona. What What do you say to that when you read it? I mean, it's like they're not even trying to be at least somewhat honest about what's being found out there in Arizona. What would you say to something like that? 
Well, uh, first, I would say whatever they're saying is not working. The latest Rasmussen poll had 74% of Republicans believe that the election was affected by major fraud. More telling is that 30% of Democrats also believe the same thing, and 47% of independents uh, share that assessment. So over half the country, despite the Mockingbird media, believes that the election was stolen. Um, So they're doing that, and they have no shame. And I guess I have to take some comfort in, in knowing that those, the needle has moved towards greater enlightenment about the election since January. So we didn't have numbers to that effect back in January. But now we're starting to convince people that, look, this is ridiculous. The way that you prove that you have a secure election isn't by having court battles and stopping people from having access to your ballots. The way that you prove trust isn't by illegally disobeying a subpoena and refusing to turn over routers, which could show whether or not there was foreign interference in Arizona's election. Um, And so people are using their common sense saying like, look, even though I'm a Democrat and maybe I don't like Trump, this just doesn't make sense. And and the the greatest travesty is that the Mockingbird media doesn't want you to think for yourself. So what I do is I don't tell people, listen to me. I say, look at the evidence. Here it is. Make up your own mind. I have an abiding conviction that the election was stolen. And I had an abiding conviction back in November. But my brain's wired that way. As a prosecutor, someone has to present cases. The evidence is absolutely overwhelming. And what we're finding are some of the claims that I made back in January that led me to to, uh, face great opposition, mocking at my university, has aged extremely well. And people are, are starting to see that. Um, so when we talked about these machines being hooked up to the internet, there is no dispute that these machines were hooked to the internet. Uh, when people said that it's impossible for votes to be flipped, that's not true. We've had experts that have flat out given demonstrations using the existing machines doing just that. And people see it. Um, and so there's a, there's a huge, I don't think there's ever been this great a level of distrust for the snake news, legacy media sources. And they're losing. And so right now what they're trying to do is continue to talk to the sheep that are out there that are more concerned with their comfort and just having a, uh, you know, a message that everything's going to be okay. The government will take care of them. That's who they're talking to because everyone else has taken that red pill and they're not paying attention to it anymore. So I, I'm, I, there's, there's grounds to be encouraged, but it is sickening. And I'm hoping that when we have that day of justice, when we do reveal all of the, the degree of evil, that the media doesn't get a pass. So when we have what amounts to, to like a Nuremberg trial for the fact that we've got people that have died by hundreds and thousands that had access to treatments and those treatments were taken from them, we're talking about ivermectin, talking about hydroxychloroquine, and that the media covered up for them, they're complicit in the deaths of countless countless individuals that didn't need to suffer, that they'd be held accountable to. So we're keeping lists for all of these people. We're keeping the list of, of uh, the, the Rachel Maddles of the world. And um, we just have to be confident that we stick to the truth. And at some point, we're going to have that watershed moment where justice is going to rain down and they're going to pay for their sins. And that's what I hope and pray for every day. As a prosecutor, I wanted justice to be done 
And even though I'm a law professor now, nothing's changed in, in my DNA. Um, we want justice. We want accountability. We, we don't want sound bites. We're tired of it. Amen. Amen. Amos 5.24, let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. That's, that's our cry too. And I think that's the one thing, David, we have seen time and time and time and time again left off. It, you know, the bad guys, the guys, you know, even, even with Trump, um, and, and some people thought I hate Trump. I, I don't hate Trump. I was very critical because I would put certain things that he was doing and they were very good. Um, but then there were other things. It was just like, where did this come from? Where, where, where do you get authority to do this? So, uh, you know, we've held Joe Biden to the same thing. We've held uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Satoru Sabarka to the same thing. So the law doesn't change. And men really don't change either. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we used to understand this country was the depravity of man, that man is, he is sinful, that he is, um, you know, susceptible to temptation, all these kinds of things. And I think this is exactly where you're going with, we're trying to put in safeguards to keep that temptation to interfere and and be fraudulent in elections to a minimum. And you have to have that. You can't just leave these people alone who say, well, I want my guy to win at whatever cost. And there, and it can't be just we we expose it for what it is and we put the guy who really won back in office. It's got to be we're going to have to bring some justice on. You, you talked about Nuremberg trials. You know, sadly, what do we have? 10, 13 people, whatever, they got hung. Uh, the, a lot of the Nazis, the doctors, the scientists were all brought over here, South America, the Arctic, whatever the case may be. And just real justice was not done there. It had a it had a semblance of it, but we've we've got to start bringing these people to justice. And you're exactly right. That includes the media. That includes any of these politicians who've been bought off by big pharma who keep pushing it as safe and effective. Any of these governors, mayors, and all who put in these these issues of lockdowns, uh, closing businesses, all of these kinds of th- this just destroyed people's lives. There has to be an accountability for that, you know. And and for much of this. Uh, the Bible calls for a death penalty, and I would go further. The U.S.—I forget the specific thing—but Catherine Henry made mention of it this morning. Um, that if you're if you're infringing on people's liberty, it can include, if, if especially if it in, if it brings about death, it can include up to death as a penalty. Uh, we're out of time here, but what I want to do, David, is um, give you 20 seconds. Tell people where they can find out more about you, and we're going to have the link for the Telegram group. Go. Great. You can find me at theprofessorsrecord.com or you can find me on Telegram at The Professor's Record. Those are the two that I use the most. And um, if you go on the website and scroll towards the bottom, you'll find links to, to my various social media. So just go to the theprofessorsrecord.com. Okay. All right. David Clements, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you coming back on, making time for us. Boy, I know you're tired. You're going to need a nap and some energy drink or something like that. But we appreciate you making time for us. Guys, be sure to check him out. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central today on sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll be back with you at 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios.